Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Business Studies. Coming to you live right here from our studios in sunny central Florida. Good to have everyone here this morning for another uh, episode, I guess you'd call it, or another class on the, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. And you can get more information on Raven Ministries International by going to our website at www.biggrace.com. That's www.biggrace.com. And you can go through there and find out all kind of information on Raven Ministries International. We're here Monday through Friday for an expository teaching on the Word of God. And presently we're doing a study on Romans. I believe today is our 166th class on the book of Romans. So we're so glad that you've joined us here today. If you've not been with us in the past, you can actually uh, email us at raven at biggrace.com, and we would love to send you a disc out with all those previous classes. And I know we got some that are going to uh, Ed and Wanda there in Canada, for Sister Lucy there in Midwest, I mean, excuse me, on the East Coast, and some others that want those. And so if you want one of those copies of the previous classes, email us at raven at biggrace.com, send me your snail mail, and say, I want that, and we will get that out to you. Also, we are praying every single morning from, uh, excuse me, I don't know why I would say now, just because that's when we come here. We pray every morning from 5 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you have prayer requests, we would love to lift those prayer requests up to you. Have a great time. I know I don't know about you guys, but, man, I had a good time in prayer this morning. And, uh, man, God is just doing some neat things. So if you want to uh, send in your prayer requests, send those in to pray at biggrace.com. And we'll lift up your prayer needs uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ as well. We're going to be doing that live in this forum from uh, now until Pentecost Sunday. So uh, be, come be a part of that. You want to come and pray with us from 5 to 6 a.m. It's right here in this same forum. Or if you just have prayer requests, uh, uh, send those in and we'll be glad to lift those up to you. And uh, let the Lord Jesus move on your behalf through prayer. Also, hey, we're going to pray this morning just for God to bless this time. And also for those, we've got a lot of people that are going to be out on the streets and doing outreaches and things like that throughout our teams all over the country. And so we want to lift them up in prayer today and just for a, a harvest time. You know, we, I've been talking about lately, I believe God has just given us a mandate to go after a generation. There's a generation out there that is going to hell in a handbasket and there, there's no voice being lifted up for them. And if, uh, for those that, that won't lift up a voice for themselves, we're going to stand in the gap for them. And so, uh, we're just going to pray for that, that generation. I believe that there's that group that's 16 to 26 year olds that I tell you what, I'm going after myself. I don't know about you, but I'm going after them with a vengeance and believing that the power of God is going to use them and bring them up as messengers and tools for revival in these last days because they're the ones that, that, that everything targets. They're the ones that are targeted by, by the sin and the deception and all these things. I mean, they are on the bullseye of the devil's target and we need to go start snatching them back. So today's Friday. I'll be out on the streets tonight late. Uh, preaching the gospel to the lost and dying. And so uh, keep us in prayer, and we're going to be out there preaching the word. And I know you guys, many of you are too, so we're going to lift you up in prayer too. So let's go to the Lord Jesus in prayer. Thank you once again for being patient for you guys watching live. had some cabling problems. Maybe we get that fixed, so we do that. But So I went to the backup old school camera here, which don't look too awful bad. I'm not that good looking anywhere, but it kind of makes me have a bright spot on top of my bald head. But praise God for that. Good to have you. Bear with us. We'll get some of those technical difficulties. The audio ought to be just like it always is. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for his blessing 
on this time of teaching this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord God. And this is the day, Lord God, that you've given us. And Father, we just we just want to seize the moment, Lord God, and we want to, Lord God, redeem the time, Lord God, because we know the days in which we're living are evil. And we want to take full advantage, Lord God, of everything that you have yielded unto our hands, Lord God, and given us authority over. Lord God, we want to do as much as we can with as much as we have. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will take those things that you've entrusted us. And Father, I think throughout the Word of God that when, when Moses, Lord God, was, was called to go back into Egypt to be a deliverer. He said, Lord God, what am I going to do? What am I going to take? And, and, and God, you spoke to him and he said, what do you have in your hand? And, and he had a, a staff in his hand and you used what he had in his hand. It's the same thing when David went out to confront Goliath, Lord God. You, you didn't put somebody else's armor on him, but you used, Lord God, the, the shepherd's sling, that which we, he had in his hand. And Father, I know for each and every one of us, Lord God, you have put something in our hands, Lord God, some that you put particular giftings in, some that you put particular resources in, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, but you have put something in our hands, and we want to carry that out, Lord God, not just to be, Lord God, victors like David, Lord God, but be the deliverers, Lord God, like Moses, and Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us victory, so we can go in, Lord God, and conquer and be deliverers, Lord God, for those that are lost and dying for the kingdom of God, so Lord God, reveal to us today... Father, whether it's a, uh, a delivery agent, Lord God, of our word, like a slingshot, or whether, Lord God, it's, a, it's the staff of authority, Lord God, like you put in, the, in the, the hand of Moses. Lord God, let us go out and operate, Lord God, within the, the, the confines of those things that you've given us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just ask for your blessing on this time today. As we come together, Lord God, to, to, to allow the Word of God to come into our life and to, to saturate us, Lord God, and to, to motivate us and to ultimately mobilize us, Lord God, for service. We thank you that we're not here, Lord God, just to be hearers of the Word, but we're here to be hearers and doers also. That way we're not walking in deception. And so, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that that Word, Lord God, would just become alive to us, Lord God. That's what I, I want it to be alive, Lord God, to everyone that, that hears in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I want it to, Father, just be something that, that touches us, changes us, transforms us. Us, Lord God, and it's like, Lord God, pouring gasoline on a fire, Lord God, when I get into your word. It just motivates me, Lord God, to go and to do and to press, Lord God. And I want to see, Lord God, the, the manifestation of the promises that you've laid before us, Lord God, through this, this, this word, this canon of scriptures, Lord God, that we call the Bible. And I'm asking today, Lord God, that as we, Lord God, whet our appetites, Lord God, upon the word of God, it'd be like an insatiable thirst that's come upon us, Lord God, that we'll just continuously, Lord God, want to drink of the waters of life. We want to drink of your presence, Lord God. We want to see ourselves washed and regenerated, Lord God, by the washing and the renewal of our minds through the Word of God. So, Father, we thank you for this Word, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, which is our, our life source, Lord God. It's our bread when we're hungry, Lord God. It's, it's that, that, that meal that we sit down that's been spread before us, Lord God, this morning. And, Father, we pray for those that are sick in body in the name of Jesus. Father, I know that some, some have been battling different things. We thank you for, the, for what you've been doing, Lord God, in, the, in, in healing of, of Pastor George Moyle, Lord God, there in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Lord God, for that. And Lord God, you're amazing. We thank you for the testimony, Lord God, even seeing him on that video, Lord God, just delighted my soul. And Lord God, I thank you for, for your hand of mercy, Lord God, for, for he and for, for Jamie, Lord God. I thank you for what you did, Lord God, in this, this past couple of weeks for, for Scotty, Lord God. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, what you've done for others, my mother, and different ones that are giving testimony of, of healing and restoration. We just ask you to continue to do that, Lord God. Father, those that are battling sickness, Lord God, like Melanie and my dad and Sue, Lord God, and, and, and Wanda, Lord God, and different ones that are, that are struggling physically, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would just touch them, Lord God, and heal them and bring restoration upon them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, just bring a power, Lord God, upon their hearts and lives, Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray for those 
that are going to be, Lord God, getting out of the seats and into the streets, Lord God, this weekend and preaching the gospel to the lost and dying. Father, I pray, Lord God, that it be like Jeremiah said, a fire, Lord God, shut up in our bones in the name of Jesus. That, Father, you'd cause such a zeal and a compassion, Lord God. Father, such a, 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 a urgency, Lord God, that we would grab a hold of the mandate, Lord God, handed us from heaven, Lord God, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Lord God, that you would just, Father, uh, Lord God, put a target, Lord God, literally upon the back of the lost and dying, that we might zero in, Lord God, and go after them, Lord God, with a reckless abandon. Lord God, we, we might go out and, and Father, be like, like going out and snatching, Lord God, a child from the jaws of a, of a devouring beast. Lord God, let us have that type of mentality as we go out, Lord God, into the harvest fields this coming weekend, Lord God. Father, we thank you for this time. I just ask you to bless this. Enable me, Lord God, to do what I can't do apart from the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me. We thank you for this time. Just ask that word would go into hearts and lives to change and transform. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Ta-ta-la. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. You know, I, I believe there's some of them drum rolls going on in heaven. You know, I believe there's this rap, this great chorus that, that's singing. And so we have to kind of em, emulate, emulate that somewhat here at the Raven Institute as well. So praise God for everybody. You guys are just a, a blessing and you're such a joy. And it's, and I get excited, you know, and I think about the people that come and, you know, d- different time zones. They're on here early in the morning. At, you know, I'm here at five and that's early because I get up just after four o'clock in the morning every day. And, you know, there's people that, that are getting up at, Three something to be a, a part of that, and so man, that is just a joy. And I know God uh, will, 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 is mindful of, of your labor of love, and so praise God for that, and your willingness to come and to get fed the Word of God as well as we come and, and just break it open and just get us off a chunk of, of some good stuff, Amen. And not just breaking it off, but actually going and taking it and doing it for the kingdom of God. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Romans twelve one. We we read it the last couple of days. Where he said, I beseech you, or I'm begging you, brethren, therefore by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Folks, listen, I want to tell you some things. Is this, is this challenging to us or what? And I say to us because it's, it's challenging to me. You know, we talked about that he's given us these eight chapters of doctrine to establish some things. He gave us a couple chapters of just kind of the transitional time of what happened when, when it was extended to us and, and you know give us, then gave us the you know the chapter of, um, regarding Israel and God's making that, the covenants with them and so now we've really reached the point in our study that really kind of brings us to the point of decision it, it really does I don't know about you you might have thought that you'd been there already but it, it really brings us to a point of decision just as it must have probably the, it brought the original recipients of this letter to a place of decision you know Paul has spent just this this great deal of time and with 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 a very tedious and, and uh, methodical approach to this and and so you know he gave this 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 letter this outline and i'm sure when he talked to others when they began to ask him questions about this or or, or he was talking i'm sure this the expounding on it would probably just blow us away and we think about the same thing here you know we're taking these 16 chapters and here we are at 166 uh, 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 hours of teaching on this on this subject matter, and we're still rolling forward probably into the 200 or so hours of teaching. But it brings you to a place of decision. You know, we've we've heard the truth, we we've recognized the necessity. You know, we've received the requirements, and now we're being called really out to a place of either if we the way we put it, either putting up or shutting up. Okay, can I say that, folks? Listen, I'm telling you something. It is either time to put up or it's time to shut up. You know, if we've come this far and we've, we know this much, what are we going to do with it? 
You know, I think about this. I remember a pastor in Texas, and pastor that the church that we planted for 13 and a half years. And, you know, you, you go to certain points and you're thinking, okay, when are, when are people going to get it? And I remember standing up in the pulpit one time, and man, God was really doing some neat things and whatever. And but you could just see there was just a reluctancy on people to to really just to dive in headlong and say okay. And so I asked them. I said, "So, folks, is is this the message that's going to get you to actually do it?" I said, or "Is it going to be the next two that are going to do it, or, or is it going to take four more and, and maybe a nice poem? When are you going to get it?" And actually going to do it. Folks, listen, it, it's real all pretty simple. There's nothing new under the sun. There, there's nothing, we're not giving anything new. Listen, I don't have anything new to say. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm just expounding on the simplicity of the gospel that God has given us. So if you're looking for some new insight or new revelation that, that's never been said or done, listen, everything that, that I teach is just derived strictly from the Word of God. And so, do, do I have a new understanding of what's taught? Yeah, I get a new understanding, but it's, it's all timeless. Everything that God has given us is, is timeless. It's nothing, there's no word that's been given for private interpretation whatsoever. But He reveals this and He speaks this through the voice of His prophets and He brings a revelation on what He has spoken. So folks, listen, it's, it's time to put up or to shut up. It's time to say, God, either I'm gonna allow Your Word to come alive in my life, I'm gonna allow it to be the transforming power in my life, or I'm not gonna do it whatsoever. And so we, we, we've really, the time's come where we start, stop, really, where, where we stop skirting around really responsibilities and, 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 and avoiding really the fulfillment of what's being asked to us. And, and that stuff's got to come to an end. In, because there comes a time in our walk with Christ that it really must move beyond the, the realm of good intentions and into a level of, of righteousness and victory. Are you walking in victory? And if you've been walking with Christ Jesus for any length of time, listen, victory ought to be in your life. You shouldn't be struggling with the same things today that you struggled with last year. The, the same tendencies, the same bondages, the, 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 the same struggles and strongholds. They, they should not be the case. And if they are, you've got to ask yourself, why is that the case? When all the provision has been made for me, uh, because of the blood of Jesus and by His resurrection and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, why do I find myself still struggling and in, in, in bondage to the same strongholds that I was before? Is it a Jesus problem or a cross problem or a resurrection problem or is it a me problem? Folks, we don't look, have to look any far further than just in the mirror and behold ourselves as a man looking in, in a looking glass and, and, and begin to consider where we come from and who we are. Folks, listen, we've got to get to that place where we are not just putting up, uh, but we're putting forth, really, the declaration of what God has for us. And you know, that makes me think about when he's telling us here in Romans 12 and 1. Out of 1 Corinthians 13 11, very, uh, very uh, uh, memorable or very familiar verse, I should say. And he said this, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. He said, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. How many of you speak as a child? How many of you understood it? Stand as a child or think as a child. To speak means the words used to declare or disclose one's thoughts. Okay? And so he said, when I was a child, I used words that declared or disclosed my thoughts. Folks, listen. Your mouth is always going to speak out of the abundance of your heart. You know what? You are. And so if, if your mouth is always filled with slander, what are you speaking as? You're speaking as a child. 
If your mouth is always filled with with with, with negativity, with your with, with, if it's always filled with fear, if it's always filled with with gossip, if that's what's in your heart. And so you're going to speak as a child. It's going to disclose who you are. But if but if your if your your words that you use they declare they they speak forth wisdom and they speak forth righteousness and they speak forth authority and they speak forth power. What are they doing? They're disclosing your thoughts and they're disclosing who you are. But he said, I don't, I just didn't speak as a child when I was a child. But he said, I also understood as a child, or there was a particular wisdom and mindset that I was under the the the, the domination of. Folks, listen, what is your mindset on things? Do you consider yourself heavenly minded or do you consider yourself earthly minded? Because as a, as a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he is. And so how do you think in your heart? When, when, or let me ask you a better. How do other people think that you think in your heart? People that are around you, do they think, you know what? That person walks in a great wisdom and a great mindset. That person really walks with the, the authority. If, if they're not saying that or they're not seeing the fruit of that in your life, what happened, folks? It's time to, it's time to put up or shut up. And it says, not only when I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood, but I also thought as a child. In other words, that's the determined purpose that one has for their life. And so when I was a child, or when I did those things, and, and really, when I do this as a child, it means that I speak, understand, and think as one that is unskilled, one that is immature, and even simple-minded as a Christian. And so I don't want to live my life uh, being unskilled, immature, simple-minded as a Christian. I don't want to, to, to try to hold on to some spiritual naivety and think, you know what, I'm just a, just a simple old guy. No, folks, listen, we, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we're going to speak like Christ, we're going to understand like Christ, we're going to think like Christ, and the determined purpose for our life is going to be Christ-like. Why do I say that? If any man desires to, 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 uh, to, to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and have that same determined purpose for their life as I have. Paul the Apostle, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I have that determined purpose for my life, you need to have the same determined purpose for your life as well. And so, but when I come to uh, that place of understanding, that really the Romans 12.1 requirements for me to present myself or to put myself at his disposal as a living sacrifice that is both holy and acceptable unto him. You see, folks, I want to be holy. I want to be acceptable. And when I do that, what it does, I'm distinguished as a man or, or, I've, or I've come to a place of having come to a level of maturity that allows me to put away those things which are childish, those things which, which are, are unskilled, those things which are immature, those things which are simple-minded, and, and those things which ultimately become unprofitable and unstable in relationship to the kingdom. But get, but get this, folks. When I'm a man, this is when I can... Put away those things. Have you had trouble putting away those things? Have you had trouble putting away just the, the uh, uh, being unskilled and the immaturity? Putting away the uh, speaking words that disclose your, your thoughts and, and, and setting a snare for your a trap and a snare for yourself with your own words? Have you had a, a difficult time putting away the, 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 the naivety and walking into a place of wisdom and understanding? Have you had a, a difficult time really maintaining a course and a purpose and a directive for your life that's reflective of, of heaven? If, if you have, you have haven't genuinely put it away. And, and that putting away literally means in the Greek, it means to render idle, to deactivate, to deprive something of force, to deprive something of influence or power. It means to abolish, 
to sever. It means to be discharged from that which would desire union with you. I want to read that again. If I'm genuinely putting it away, it means I'm rendering it idle. I'm deactivating it. I'm depriving something of force, influence, or power. I am, it means that I'm abolishing and severing and discharging from that which would desire to have union with me. Folks, listen, I've got to come to that place where I'm deactivating the sin nature. And how many, how many weeks did we talk about just really coming under the, uh, to, uh, walking in, in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and deactivating the sin nature? Folks, listen, you know why people tell you all the time, well, listen, when we hear this all the time, well, uh, you know what? You're, everybody's always going to walk in sin. You're always going to have those struggles. That's just the way it is. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. Why, why is that the prevailing attitude of the church? Why? Because they've never put away childish things. They've, they've never grabbed a hold of the, the, the begging and the pleading of Paul the Apostle who says, listen, you've got to present yourselves. You've got to, to, to subject yourselves. You've got to put yourself at His disposal as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. They've, they've never put those ways. They've never deactivated the flesh. They've never deactivated the desires of the, of the, the natural man. And so that, 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 that nature that is laid there, laying it wait to deceive... All of a sudden, we're throwing him a biscuit and we're activating him and empowering him to come back and speak and to, to walk in our lives again. Folks, listen, we've eventually got to get to the point where we starve out the, 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 the old man. We starve out the, the sin nature. And that thing is just a crumpled mass of memory and it's no, it has no power over us. But the only way we can do that is when we cease to speak understand and think as a child and begin to put away those things and discharge ourselves from that which desires to have a union. And when it's put away, it means that I'm no longer going to fornicate with. Really, when it's talking about that, it's talking about becoming intimate. I no longer want to be intimate with the things of the, nat- of the, of the sin nature. I lo- no longer want to entertain those things. Those things that I would bring into my mind that would cause me to, 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 to vacillate between two opinions. Those things that I would allow to come into my ears that, that would, uh, would, would constrain me in the things of the flesh. Those things that, that I would entertain in my, my heart and in my thoughts that would, that would cause my, my mind to wander upon those things that are, are not holy and righteous. Folks, listen. I've got to put away those things. I've got to be the Galatians 2.20, crucified Christ that, that, and, and identify myself with Him that I might identify myself with, with His glory. Folks, the offering of myself as a living sacrifice unto God, it is really just that first step that He gives it, not only to have victory over the sin nature, but to also come to a place of unprecedented wisdom, unprecedented knowledge, unprecedented understanding, unprecedented power of, 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 of the Word of God in my life. To walk in that plan. To know that I know that I know that I know. Maybe I can, I hope Deb don't use me, wanna, won't mind me using this example of something that she just said this morning. And she said, you know what, how, how do you know, I think, I'm trying to, I don't want to misquote you, but how do you know when you're hearing from God? Is, is that how, kind of how you put it? Sometimes it's hazy when you hear from God. Folks, don't you want to be able to put that away? Don't you want to have that sure word? Don't you want to know that you know? That, that the reason, how, when, when is, why is it hazy, Lord God? Because what? I'm speaking, understanding, and thinking as a child. I'm allowing all these other things. 
Folks, have you not been there? Do you know exactly what she's talking about with that? But we've got to come to a place where we render helpless those things that bring in interference. It's kind of like you know going through a certain area and, and all of a sudden there's this fuzziness on your radio. You can't quite tune it in. And you can hear something in the background, but it's not clear. And you know, me, a lot, a lot of times when I'm driving at night or we're traveling, I like to listen to a radio like someone talking or whatever else, like a talk radio show or, or a call-in program just to hear the interaction. And a lot of times when you're kind of out in the sticks, that it doesn't come in clear and you get all this interference. And Melanie arrives and she said, listen, she said, I don't mind you listening to the radio, but that static is driving me crazy. Folks, isn't it that way in our relationship with God? We want God to speak to us, but all the static is driving us crazy. The, the, the static of our flesh, the static of other people, the static of what we're going through. God, we want to hear your voice, but God, we, got it. we need to get it tuned in. How do you get it tuned, tuned in? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We've got to come to that place, and he gives us that first step of, 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 of tuning it in and getting a sharp channel, getting a clear signal, so to speak, of it. And that is we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto him. And if you're not doing that, folks, listen, you're always going to have static. You might be able to kind of make it out, but you're never going to be able to walk in that, that sure thing. You're never going to be walk, walk in that confidence. I know so many people, and I'm talking about people that have been in ministry for many years, that are always just kind of floating this idea or this and that, and they never just have a sure word. And so when you give them a sure word, you say, well, this is what God's saying to me. They don't even comprehend that. They want to go look into the tea leaves or see the writing on the wall or get eight words of confirmation or whatever else. Folks, listen, when you get tuned in to the voice of God, it really doesn't matter who's patting you on the back or who says amen. It doesn't matter who tells you add a boy or whatever else. Why? Because you have, have, have tuned in to the voice of God that you hear his voice and no other voice, no static, no anything, no interference are you going to follow. But you're going to find yourself rendering all those things that would distract you helpless. You're going to deactivate their power. It doesn't matter if you're in a, in a bad marital relationship. You say, well, listen, it's just tough. You know what? God's going God's to have his sweet voice through that. It don't matter if you're on a bad job and you just, you just hate it every single day. If, if you're tuned in and you deactivated the sin nature through, through uh, trans, the transforming and, 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 and offering yourself as, as that living sacrifice, what happens? You're tuned into it. And so it doesn't really matter what goes on. A thousand can fall over here and ten thousand right here. Why? Because you're hearing and you're honed in to that, that, that GPS, that, that God's purpose situation, perfect situation for you. And, 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 and you're hearing it and you know what that plan and that purpose that God has for your life. And really, everything that happens in the meantime is immaterial for you. And so that's the first step is to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then, then verse, chap, uh, verse 2 of chapter 12. And then he tells us, he said, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so what does he say? Touched on it yesterday, just for a second. Do not be conformed. And the simplest rendering of that word is of conform is to assume the expression that is patterned after something or some definite thing. To assume the expression that is patterned after some definite thing. 
And, and so, folks, listen, if I'm conforming, what am I doing? I'm patterning. We would use the analogy of laying the forms for a foundation for a house or for a building. And you pour the, you pour the, the liquid mixture in that, can, that contains certain properties. It has the, the, the concrete. It has the sand. It has the, the rock. But it's poured upon a, a framework that, that's, that, that's structured to provide the, the, the shape that it needs to take. And so if I'm being conformed to something, what am I doing? I'm being conformed to that which is shaping around me. But he tells us, don't be conformed to the image of this world. But the root meaning of that is really something good. I think you're going to really be able to grab a hold of this morning. The root meaning of this word really, I think it really brings out Paul, what Paul is expressing because it conveys the idea of, a, of an individual assuming an outward expression that does not come from within. And so when he says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, what he's saying is, don't, don't allow yourself to assume an outward expression that does not come from within. And so, just, just write that down. I'm explaining what that really means to uh, in a minute. But it's assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you. Why is this important? I'm fixing to tell you why. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. What does he say in Matthew 6.33? Probably everybody out here knows it. Since I started, you'll know what I'm saying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things are going to be added unto you. Okay? He tells you to seek what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so, when you're seeking the kingdom, where are you seeking it at? Are you seeking like these uh, dominion teachers and these kingdom nowers that say, you know what, we're going to take over government, and we're going to take over the stock market, and Christians are going to be all these things, and we're going to have all the money, and we're going to have all the power. Then Jesus is going to say, y'all are so fantastic, now I guess I can come back because you fixed everything. Folks, listen, that's what people teach all the time. I could give you five or six names of people that teach just that, and you would be shocked at, at who they were. But... Luke seventeen twenty through 21, tying it to that, Jesus said, who said? Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. Okay? Now, to be conformed to this world is to assume an outward expression that does not come from within you. Okay? And so the kingdom of God does not come with observation or those things that are without, but the kingdom of God is Within you. So, folks, let me say this. I hope this makes sense to you. When I am conformed to the world, then I'm not assuming the express pattern of holy acceptableness that can only be truly known and realized by tapping in to that which has been deposited into my life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit comes up and takes residence in my heart. And so, if I'm conformed to the image of this world, what am I doing? The world is laying my framework. They're laying the form in which I'm poured into. And so I'm assuming an outward expression, not of that which was within me, as the kingdom is within me, but I'm allowing myself to be formulated by without. Now you think about the, the, modern, the modern church, so to speak. The modern church is really built around the pattern of business. It is. Let's do all these things and we're going we're, we're gonna to have a business pattern. We're going to have this mass mailing. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and folks, listen, I worked in business for years, worked in banking and trained in those, those fields. And so I, I began to see that. And so it's always, you know, we want our board. And, and I believe somebody said yesterday about there's, a, there's the, the elder board at, at a church that, that somebody we know goes to. And uh, the, the person in the church was asking about one of the elders. And, the person, and they said, listen, they don't need a spiritual life. <laughs> And, and they, they said the elder of the church didn't need a spiritual life because they raised up the elders based upon how much money they made and what type of job that they had. Now, now, folks, think about that. 
They're, they're, they're not apt to teach. They're not the husband of one wife. All these things, the criteria that we get in, in Titus and First Timothy. And so we see they're, they're, they're formulated by that which was out. Folks, listen, we've got to be formulated by that which was in, within. And if we're genuine believers, what's going to happen? Everything about our life is going to be formed and fashioned after the kingdom of God, which is inside of us. And so, that, that, and I need that. My conformity is, is not of Him when I'm doing those things or that which was within me, the kingdom of God, but rather it becomes this imposter, flesh-driven kingdom of the world. Folks, listen, we don't need to continue to walk in this imposter-like faith. What, what you become in that case is really an anti-type of a person saved by grace uh, through faith as the handiwork of God created unto good works. You become really the anti-type of that. You become the antithesis of what God desires you to be. Or you cease to reflect the righteousness that is from within and will instead find yourself as a reflective element of those things desiring to conform you from without. You will, in other words, you will look, act, and operate like the world. Now, does that mean that you're going to be out committing adultery? Does that mean that you're going to be out killing and shooting? No. But what you're going to find, you, you may look nice. You may appear to be moral. But at the end of the day, you're going to still have that same impression of the world. You're just going to be a nice, moral, lost person. You're going to be a really good-intentioned individual that, that seems to do all these, these be, uh, 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 benevolent type of actions. But you're never going to be transformed by that which is inside of you. And, you know, we talked about that world. Don't be conformed to the image of this world. That's that, that aeon. And we spoke of it yesterday. And it includes the, the, those thoughts, those opinions, all your maxims, your speculations, your hopes, your impulses, your aims, your aspirations. Don't be conformed to the image of, the, of this aeon. And because what will happen is this will then put you in a place where it will be impossible for you to really seize and accurately define that which constitutes the most real, righteous, and effective power made available by the blood of Jesus for your life. If I'm constantly walking out of the opinions and the, and the thoughts and driven by those things of the flesh... Folks, listen, I will never see the fulfillment of God's power in my life. I'll never see the, the fulfillment of the righteousness of God and God's plan and God's purpose and God's directive and, and God's kingdom come and His will being done right here on earth in me as it's done in heaven. I'll never see those things as long as I allow myself to be pressured and impacted and imprinted by the things that are without sight. Certainly, I've got to be in the world, but I do not want to live of the world. And so, folks... We are not to walk in conformity to this world or allow this world to shape and to mold us after its pattern of pride, arrogance, and selfish ambition. What's neat about that, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Ephesians 2, 2 and 3 uses this aeon. And, and really, it uses that aeon word to, to make this point about as clear as it can get. And here's what he says. He said, in times past... He said, you walked according to the aeon. You walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to, to, to those things that, that represented your, 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 your flesh. They represented your opinions. They represented your impulses. <clears throat> they represented your own aspirations or your ambition. He said, in other words, you walked according to that course, according to the prince and the power of the air. Now, folks, think about this just for a second. Here's, here's what's kind of scary. He tells them, you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you walked according to all those things that were important to you. All your ideas, your attitudes, your aspirations. Now, he didn't say those things necessarily came about as, or came across as evil. But he said, you walked according to that course. Those things that brought us satisfaction. Those things could have looked nice. Those things could have looked uh, beneficial. Those things could have looked uh, powerful. Whatever they, they looked like. But he said, you walked. But look what he ties those two and he relates that with. 
He said, you walked according to the aeon, the course of this world, those things that you desire, according to the prince and the power of the air. That's speaking of, the, of Satan, the devil. And so what he's saying is, listen, what caused Lucifer to become Satan, to be cast down from heaven, was his own ideas, his own opinions, his own desires, his own ambitions. That He said, I want to be what? Like the most God. That's what he said. He said, I want to be... He said, I want to rise above his kingdom and I want to be like the Most High God. Now, was he saying that I want to be opposite of God? Huh? Was he saying that, you know, I want to do things contrary to God? No, he says that I want to be like him. I want to take that place. Now, that's scary, isn't it? Why? Because what did it become? It became rebellion. And he was cast down and a third of the, the angels of heaven were cast down with him. Now, Now, folks, listen. And he likened that to those type of things that we get. And we just call them our ideas. We just call them our opinions. We just call them our wants. Folks, what he calls them is rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft. He says that you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. What to obey is always better than to sacrifice. He said, among whom also we had our conversations in times past, in the lust of our flesh... Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now think about that for a second. When we're not being conformed to, to or transformed by the renewing of our minds, what are we done? We're being conformed by our own opinions, by our own likes, by the things that that really make us feel good, make us feel fulfilled, and those things seem noble. They seem okay. But he puts those in allegiance to the adversary. He puts them in allegiance. And he said, listen, that is the lust of our flesh, the desires of our flesh and of our mind, whereas we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Folks, listen, all we had when we were lost, that's all we had. All we had was the, the ability to be formulated uh, by was the course of this world, which could only uh, reflect the agenda of the prince and the power of the air, which is obviously Satan. But he said, I want you to be transformed. Don't say, listen, well, this is just the way it is. This is how I am. This is the way I raised. This is my personality. This is just this. Don't make excuses for your flesh. Don't make excuses. Let me put it a little further. Don't make excuses for your submission to your will to the adversary as a child of disobedience. Don't make excuses anymore. Say, God, that's what it is. But Lord God, I want to be transformed. Somebody say, I want to be transformed. Lord God, I want to be transformed today. And so to be transformed, what this does is it represents to us that the only thing that can give us the ability to overcome the power of the adversary and the power of the sin nature is literally to be transformed. Now, folks, listen, this transformation or this transforming is what I talked about. It's that, that metamorpho, that metamorphosis that takes place in accordance in our lives. And we, and we get it. We see it in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It, you know, it's, it, and we, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things what? have been made new. We get a metamorphosis when we come to Christ Jesus. Now, listen to what that word literally means. It's the act of a person changing his outward expression. You know what? It sounds a lot like conform so far, doesn't it? From that which he was to a different thing, it's an expression that comes from within and is representative of the inter-being. Okay? So what the difference is, is when I'm conformed, that means that there's an outward expression that comes about in my life that's shaped by those things that are without, by shaping by the world, shaped by those things which constitute the world. 
my opinions, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, my desires, what I want to do. But when I'm transformed, what happens? The mode and the pattern comes from who's inside of me. It comes from my innermost being. And so the Jesus that's inside of my heart begins to mold and shape me, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so what happens? The outward expression, what you see, is not like he, he rebuked the Pharisees. He said, listen, you're whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're horrible. He said, you, you, you look like sheep, but you're, 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 a, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. In other words, the inside is, is putrid. It's, it's vile. He said, you're like a cloud without rain. On the outside, you look like something that's going to bring something. But on the inside, he said that, that you're dead and you're empty. Folks, listen, we need to be transformed or allow that which was within us to be the thing that transforms and molds and shapes us on the outside. And really, folks, this is that, that the whole Matthew 17, too. And I, I touched on it yesterday about the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was changed from within. You hear what I'm saying? He wasn't changed from without by the environment that he was in. But what we saw, we saw the transformation. It represented who he was internally or, in his case, eternally. And it, you got to see the manifestation of that glory. Folks, listen, that same glory we saw in Romans 8, if the same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead, that was present at the transfiguration, dwells in you, what's it going to do? It's going to quicken you. It's going to transform you by the renewing of your mind so you can prove it's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so there is a glory within inside of every one of us. I preached a message one time, a series of messages actually, called that there's glory beyond the veil. And folks, listen, you know what? When you went into the, the, the tabernacle, watch, you, when you crossed over past the veil of the flesh, what was behind that veil? It was the glory of God. Folks, listen, our bodies represent a veil. They are the veil that is our flesh. But you know what's beyond the veil of the flesh? There is glory. There is a glory inside of every individual that, 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 that walks in faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. There is glory. And I'll just say, there is glory beyond the veil of the flesh. There is glory beyond the veil of, of failure. There is glory beyond the, the, the veil of circumstance. There is glory beyond the veil of, 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 of your past. There's, there's a glory that God has deposited inside of the temple of your heart and of your life, amen, that He's just waiting for you to pull back that veil and to expose that glory and to be transformed by the glory that's from within you. And that way, everything that's shaping your life is based upon the glory. It's based upon that mercy seat that's come upon your life through the, through the person of the Holy Spirit coming in to dwell inside of you. Now think about that. There is a glory and an empowerment that you can tap into through obedience, through, through humility to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a a glory that's there to heal, that's to save, to restore, to empower, to, to cause you to think like He thought so you can do what He did. It's, if there's a glory inside of you that causes you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's a glory inside of you that causes you to love your neighbor as yourself, that causes you to, 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 to live not just evangelistically, but altruistically, living your life for the benefit of other people. There's a glory inside of you. That, that, that is an enabling factor to produce righteousness and holiness and truth. Folks, that's what the, that's what the transformation is. But don't you want to tap into that? Because that's who Christ, it's Christ in me, the hope of what? Glory. Not hope Christ in me, the hope of a good intention or, or the hope of a, a wishy-washy life. But it's Christ inside of me when I'm transformed that brings me the hope of glory. And so folks, when I get up every day, you know what my hope is? My hope is glory. 
It says, God, what kind of day is this going to be? Man, this is going to be a glory-filled day. Why? Because I'm not going to be conformed. It's not, and my glory is not going to be determined if I have enough money to pay my bills. My glory is not going to be determined whether somebody likes me or not. My glory is not going to be determined uh, whether I have to go to this job that I, I despise or whether I have to do these type of things or I have a flat tire. What's going to happen? My glory is determined by the kingdom of God, which comes not with observation, but it's inside of me. And how do I realize that? I stop walking. When I was a child, I spoke, understood, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I cut those things off that would rob me of the glory of God. I cut those things off. I severed them. I no longer would remain intimate with those things that would keep the glory of God from manifesting itself and producing the righteousness of God in my life. Isn't that good news? Isn't that exciting to be able to walk in that? And so it comes. That's that metamorphosis that takes place. And so, folks, you ask yourself, how do I get there? How do I do it, Lord God? What's it going to take for me to get to that place where I can begin to do that? He tells us right here. Don't you love it that He don't just tell you to do something? He tells you how to do something? That's what I like about Jesus. He don't just send you a box full of pieces. He sends you a box full of pieces. Then he hands you an instruction book. And he says, just follow it. But folks, you know what? We're, we're so much like the ones that, that, that just get something. They say they just want to look at a quick picture and build it. And afterwards, they have all these pieces. And it never has the stability. It doesn't have the structure. And you got all, what's all this stuff for? Well, that was the stuff that, that really is going to hold it together. Now, folks, listen. He's given us an instruction book. You know, why, why are we going line upon line, precept upon precept? Why am I, am I taking you such a, through such a tedious process of this word? Folks, I don't want any parts to be left over. I don't want your structure to be weakened because you, you've left off that support piece that just didn't look like it was necessary. That part that looked like it was... So I want to take you from, from point 1A and put all those nuts and bolts and screws into your life. That way you're held together strong. That you're uplifted. That you're not going to waver. That you're not going to be beat, beat down or, 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 or shattered by the things of the flesh. But that, 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 when, that you're going to be built upon the foundation who is in Christ Jesus. He's going to pour him, Himself into you and you into Him. And you're going to have His imagery in your life. And so, how do we do this? What does He say? Be not conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed... How? By the renewing of your mind. It's the anak and osis. A-N-A-K-A-N-O-S-I-S. A-N-A-K-A-N-O-S-I-S. Which means literally the complete change of something to something better. And so if I'm getting a renewing of my mind, what's happening? There's a complete change that's taking place in me to something better. And, and it's really, it's, it's very akin to the same actions of the metanoeo or the repentance. And that's really what it is, folks. And what's repentance? It's the, the moral compunction to think differently. And so if I'm renewing my mind, what am I doing? I'm walking in a different thought pattern. And so, you know, I've talked this and I've taught this for years on the subject of repentance. What is repentance? And I've taught it here in this form before. Number one, it starts, if I want to be conformed, not to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind, first thing I've got to do is recognize. And write that down. The, 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 this transformation of the renewing of my mind is always going to begin with recognition. It's going to begin with recognition. Now, what's it recognizing? What it's recognizing is that when I was a child, I spoke, understood, and thought as a child. What it's saying is, listen, I, I, used, to, I, I used to walk in, in, a, in a state of unskilled, immature, and evil, even uh, simple-minded Christianity. I recognize those things. I recognize those things in different areas of my life 
that are keeping me back from being transformed and, and, and tapping into the glory and seeing the glory beyond the veil of my flesh, uh, uh, really uh, uh, shaping who I am even externally. And so I've got to recognize those things. And once I recognize them, it's kind of like a spiritual exploratory surgery that God pulls out the scalpel of His Word and of His Holy Spirit and He begins to pull those things out. He begins to, to peel back the, the flesh and the veneer that we hide all that stuff behind. We hide, hide it behind a smiling face. We hide it behind our Christian t-shirt. We hide it behind our bumper sticker. We hide it behind our involvement or something or, or our Christian music or our smiling face or our handshake or our pleasantries to one another. But folks, inside... We, we, we really don't want to deal with those things. And so what does he say? I'm bringing you to a place of recognition. I'm bringing you to a place that I want to expose those things. And folks, how does it come, the exposure? Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you a question I know the answer to. Don't you, when we get into the Word, don't, don't it expose us? It exposes me. It exposes the thoughts and intents of your heart. It discerns those things. It tells on you. Why? Because you can't escape it. You know, if I was just sitting up here day in and day out, just giving you my opinion on things, listen, you could take it or leave it. But when we speak, behold, thus saith the Lord, when we speak and we breathe out that theonustos of the Word of God, folks, listen, you're either going to receive it and be changed, or you're going to reject it and you're going to be conformed to the image of this world. It's as simple as that. You will. You'll harden your heart just like they did in the day of the provocation when God began to deal with them. And so the first thing that I've got to do if I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, I've got to recognize those things that are not like Christ. I've got to say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me, Lord God. And show me what it is. Show me where my heart has not been right. And after that, then we come to a place of renunciation. It's recognition, then it's renunciation. And what's renunciation? It's saying, you know what, Satan, you have no more power in that area. Because the only amount of power that the enemy has is what we give him. That's it. He was stripped of all power and authority, and an open show was made upon him when Christ Jesus triumphed over him in the cross. And so we have to renounce that power that we've given unto him. And renouncing means, listen, I'm not going to extend an olive branch to you any longer. I'm not going to extend an invitation for you in my life. I've renounced you. I am done with that. I am quits with that. No more or am I going to find myself <coughs> yielding my members over to you anymore. I renounce it. No more am I going to walk in this unforgiveness. No more am I going to walk in, in, in this addiction. No more am I going to walk in this lust. No more am I going to walk in pride. No more am I going to walk in uh, jealousy. No more am I going to walk in, in selfishness. No more am I going to walk in these things, carnality. Lord God, I renounce those things. Those things do not have authority over me. I'm transformed by that which is inside of me, the glory of God. That I don't want to just say WWJD. I want to live what would Jesus do because I'm living what Jesus has done. Then I have the renunciation of those powers. Then what happens? The third thing, reconciliation. And so I start with recognition. I see those things for what they are in my life that, that cause me to be unchristlike. I renounce their power. I say, no more. I'm not going to play that game no more. That is played out. I'm done with it. Then reconciliation comes. And reconciliation is just being brought back into right standing with God. Then what happens? I don't hear the static anymore. You hear what I'm saying? I'm in a place of closeness. I'm in a place of fellowship. Why? Because now I find myself praying more than I ever did before. And my prayer becomes more about listening than it does offering my endless petitions. It's not about my hour-long gripe session with Jesus. But it's my, 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 my hour long or two hour, whatever it is. It's my daily 24-7 rejoicing that God found mercy upon me, Lord God. That God, really, I don't, God, I don't have anything to ask you for today. 
Lord God, you know what I have need of even before I've been there. Lord God, listen, I know what's going on in this person, how they're treating me. But Lord God, but that's okay. I saw how they treated your son Jesus. Lord God, I'm willing to suffer these things that I might win Christ. Lord God, that, Father, this, this, I'm not of this world anyway. I know how this world's treating me, but that's okay, Lord God. Because I know that this world is not my home. I'm just a sojourner, Lord Jesus. Now, now what happens? I'm reconciled unto him. And because now I've been brought back to right standing, then what happens? The revelation. Now what happens? My dial is tuned in. And so I go from recognition to renunciation to reconciliation, and now I have revelation. When I open the Word, what happens? Man, things begin to jump out at me that never jumped out before. Why? Because I had given the adversary, the prince of the power of the air, Power over my understanding. I was still thinking as a child. I was still speaking as a child. I was understanding as a child. I was immature. I did not have the understanding. I did not have the even the, the spiritual cognitive skill or uh, to, to, to tap into the things of God. But now, because I've allowed God to do that, what happens? Man, it comes alive to me. Now, when I speak, I speak differently. When I teach, I teach differently. When I preach, I preach differently. When I prophesy, when I witness, whatever it is, there's, there's, there's the voice of God that's coming out for me. Why? Because I'm getting the revelation of the Spirit. Why? Because I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Then where do you go? You go right back to recognition. Well, God, you ain't done with me yet. Paul the Apostle said that. Listen, I haven't attained, but one thing I've done, I forget those things that are behind. I renounce them, and I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm going to a place of greater revelation. Folks, listen, uh, and I want to say this too. You need to, you need to put this down. Write it in your Bible. Repentance is not a response to sin. Repentance is not my response to sin. Repentance is my response to righteousness. Okay? Repentance is not my response to sin. Repentance is my response to righteousness. Folks, listen. When I say guilt is my response to sin, you hear me? When I feel guilty, guilt won't get you to heaven, folks. He won't. He doesn't say unless you're guilty, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, there's a lot of people that feel guilty and feel shameful out there that are lost as a Thanksgiving goose. Do you hear me? Guilt is not. Guilt is is, is our response to sin. Repentance is our response to righteousness. And so when, 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 when we start feeling repentance, what is it? We're saying, man, I want to be more righteous. I want to be like Christ Jesus. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to recognize those things that are in my life that are unchristlike. I want to renounce those powers. I want to be reconciled unto Him so I can hear from Him in a greater way. And so, folks, what has happened, the adversary has been very uh, uh, effective in making the word repent a dirty word. I tell you what, repentance really is the catalyst of the new covenant. It is what sets the new covenant apart from the old. Why? Because in the old covenant, everything in their life was conformity. It was. They were conformed by the laws. They were conformed by all these external things that the Spirit could only rest upon them. It was all external. But the, the, the covenant that we have, a new and living way, it's a covenant of transformity. It's something that happens from within us. It's the kingdom within. Old covenant, conformity. New covenant, transformed. Because what? The new covenant uh, allows the, the Spirit of God to come into our life that's going to move us and mold us and transform us. And so when John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom is at hand, it blew their mind. He told them, listen... I know what you're doing. He said, but you've got to think different. It's not enough to walk through the motions. It's not enough just to be a hearer. It's not enough to talk the talk. But you've got to put up or you've got to shut up. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so that's what repentance comes. And so what it does, it changes you from the inside out, and it's where they cringe when John preached it in, in, in Matthew 3, 1 and 2. It's when they cringe when Jesus preached it in Matthew 4, 17. It's where they cringe when Paul preached it on in, in, in Acts 2, 38. It's where when, when, when Peter preached it in Acts 2, 38, when Paul preached on Mars Hill, when John preached it throughout the, the, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. They, they cringe. Why? Because it was bringing a concept that says, listen... It ain't enough to be conformed. It ain't enough to, to, to go through the motions like a Judas, to, to act like a disciple. It, inside, that, you're, you're, that I've chosen you eleven, but one of you is the devil? No, it's, it's to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, to prove, literally, means to test for the purpose of seeing that a particular thing meets the specifications that have been laid down. I'll say that again. To prove, it means that I'm testing something for the purpose of seeing that a particular thing meets the specifications that have been laid down. Folks, listen. There's something that God wants. He wants to prove it. He wants to prove our transformation. And so He gives us these specifications. One of the specifications, they're right here. They're right here in these 66 books of Scripture made up of 1,179 chapters of 31,101 verses of Scripture. This is what proves it out right here. This is the, the test. These are the specifications that God has put in our hands in order to, to, to see that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove that what is the good, acceptable, and perfect stand, uh, 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 will of God. Folks, I have people all the time where we confront them in, in situations. I'm talking about people that claim to be believers. And you know what they often say? I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove anything. Folks, that, yes you do. I do have to prove it. My life has got to be proof. There's got to be proof positive that, 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 that I'm walking in that which is good, acceptable, and perfect uh, will of God. Yes, we do. We've got to prove everything in our life. We've got to be proven in Christ Jesus. We've got to be a, a living testimony. We've got to let our light shine before men. They've got to be able to see our good works so that they might glorify our fathers in heaven. And everything. But the world, when you're walking in darkness, you don't want to have to prove anything. Why, you want your empty words that, that are being conformed by this world to be satisfactory. Folks, listen, that will never work. Why? Because we, when we're transformed by the renewing of our mind through the working of repentance, through that metamorphosis that comes upon us, that metanoeo, what happens? Then, that which is good, perfect, and acceptable. First, folks, I'm going to tell you this. When he says the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, he's not talking about three different levels of three standards. He's talking about one will. He's saying, listen, the will of God is good, the will of God is acceptable, and the will of God is perfect. You'll hear this false teaching. I'll tell you exactly what it is. People talk about the permissive will of God. Well, you know what? God permitted that. So, no, the permissive will of God. Let me give you another definition of the permissive will of God. It is called the rebellion of man. Okay? God has what? got one mind. To say that God has got a perfect will and a permissive will is to say that God is double-minded. And we know that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And there is no, the scripture tells us that there is no wavering. There's no shadow of turning with God. He has one way, one will. There's one life. There's, there's one desire, there's one precept, there's one truth that everything is built. There's not, it's not like going to the, the old let's make a deal where you got uh, three doors. It's not like uh, the, the show where they got all the briefcases up there and you're trying to win a meeting. Folks, listen, that's not what the kingdom of God. He said if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to prove out what is, what is not only good, what is not only acceptable, but at the end of the day, it's going to be perfect. Folks, listen, we are totally out of time here today. Hope, I hope you're getting this. 
in this, and I hope that it's going to enliven something and get you thinking. Because it really, it, 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 I know it challenges me every time that I'm studying this, every time that I'm looking into God's Word in Romans 1 and 2. And you know what, folks? I believe it just gets better. It gets more challenging, but it gets better. Anyway, folks, love you all so much. And uh, we're not gonna, we'll be back on Monday from 9 to 10 a.m. for those guys that are with us live for another uh, uh, edition of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. But we'll be on tomorrow morning, same time, same channel, right here on uh, www.biggrace.com. Click Raven TV. We'll be back on that at, at 5 o'clock a.m. for prayer. And uh, uh, encourage you to get out there in the streets and win somebody to Jesus. But i got one bit of advice for you to spoke today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.